0: Bleeding
1: Matters with Joel Caporella Alright, another episode of Bleeding Matters today, and I'm going to get into it quickly. Uh, you're going to hear Jason Heilman, and he gives a great introduction of, of who he is, so I, I'll um, save that for the beginning here, and let you go ahead and listen to Jason, his company here, Fish, and what they do. But... Um, as I mentioned with the Ryan Estes episode, go back and listen to that one, by the way. I think it's a, a very valuable one for you to listen to. I am committed to kind of using these episodes to give listeners uh, an action plan. What is the one thing that I should take away from this if I spend time listening to it? And I think today you're going to hear quite a bit about whether or not we we as, as business leaders properly prioritize how we're connecting with the talent communities that are important to our business. So in other words, what do I what do I mean by that? Well, if we're hiring any way, shape, or form, there's a talent community out there that's going to be better uh, positioned to help my company than, than not. And within that talent community, there's candidates uh, that will be a better fit. So, you know, recruiting is a transactional reality for many of us. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of Uh, truth to that because it's just this process that we go through to identify, interview, hire, onboard, and get people moving within our organization, but uh, what you can hear from Jason is that there's a there's a measurable uh, approach to how we connect with this talent community, how we give them value even ahead of them being members of our workforce. So that's the takeaway. Go ahead and give this a listen and then at the end Um, If you're looking to take some particular action, write down the five things that your company does today that provides provides value to the talent communities that are important to your business. If you can write down five, that's great. If you can't, there's your place to start. And if you do write five down, which is the one that you want to improve upon? All right, with no further ado, let's jump into this episode with Jason Heilman, one of the co-founders of HereFish. Today I'm joined by Jason Heilman. Jason is one of the co-founders of a company called HearFish. I met Jason in June of this year at the Engage conference that's put on by Bullhorn, which is a software company that specializes in CRM and some applicant tracking and whatnot. And the session that I was uh, participating in had to do with how we connect with our talent communities and the importance of building up that value. And, And actually Jason came up to me afterwards and was kind of shared with me a little bit about his company herefish so I, I there was some synergies with what I was talking about that day and what herefish does so I'm gonna let Jason go ahead and describe that but first things first Jason thanks for joining me today
0: absolutely thank you for having me
1: uh, my pleasure so listen uh, I don't want to I think you'll do a better job of, of talking about uh, herefish rather than I would since it's obviously your baby uh, but you're, you're clearly looking to nurture candidates that one company already has in the database. So why don't you just give us an appreciation for what Here's Fish, uh, is all about and the value that you're delivering to your customers. Sure. That's right. Well, thank you. So,
0: yeah, the idea, uh, and this is a pretty common problem, um, you know, companies of any size, whether they be in staffing or just kind of general HR, uh, often find themselves with an influx of applicants, uh, you know, whether that be from people applying through job boards and other sources. Uh, or through searching job boards, wherever they may find them, uh, and they're kind of very engaged with them for, uh, or at least a small portion of them, for a short period of time. But then from there, they they kind of lose that connection with those people. Um, and sometimes we, you know, not that they necessarily neglect them, uh, but they don't necessarily have an urgent need to have a conversation with those people. Um, so the idea here is just we we have these large databases um, that you know we invest a lot of money in uh, and. Our goal at Tearfish is to help companies really kind of leverage those. So the idea is uh, you have your, your people in the database, these candidates, and you probably can't just talk to them about, about jobs all the time. So you don't want to just send them an email every week with your new job openings because it's unlikely that they're always looking. Um, so what we do is we help companies to engage the, with those candidates on a little bit deeper level, uh, whether that be career advice, um sometimes maybe that is job seeking advice uh or it might be uh more information about your company kind of in your employer brand uh and really helping people to understand more about what it's like at your company, what your company does, um and potentially being an employee there uh, and then as as you work with these people um as their career progresses, it may be that they come to the time when they are looking a new position. Um, And at that point, uh, we'll kind of recognize the clues that they give us, whether that be on email or your website, and then start to engage them more heavily, uh, really focus specifically on opportunities and things that a, a, a job seeker might be interested in.
1: Well, you know, I, I, that's a really great description, you know, and as you're speaking, I'm wondering, you know, I think you you guys like you and I that have kind of been in the, in the business of, of talent development, talent recruiting and, and uh, talent acquisition and things like that, kind of take it for granted that these things are valuable. Do you think that um, sometimes the value in nurturing these types of relationships with would-be members of our workforce is, uh, is missed or, or kind of uh, forgotten sometimes? It is, you
0: know, I you know I think that um, so again, kind of having a marketing background, this is something that people in other industries do all the time. So if if someone shows interest in you or your company, um, they really take a lot of steps and spend a lot of time and effort to engage those people uh, and have more conversation. So I think that uh, it is. I think that, that most companies don't really think about the, their database and an asset as, as an asset the same way. Uh, that that uh, people in a sales organization might think about sales leads, but in reality, those candidates are just very similar. To, it, uh we it borrowed a lot of the concepts of lead nurturing to kind of create these concepts.
1: Sure, you know, no, no I, I completely agree with you, and I was actually excited to have you come up and chat with me after my talk at Engage because, you know, I, I I see that as the value that's constantly missed. And I talk a lot on uh, Leading Matters about the importance of, of mission, of culture, of interviewing for culture, things like that. And I think it begins with the front end of the talent acquisition process. I guess so the question is, do you think that the value of, you know, because every company, regardless of the size, whenever they hire, ends up building a candidate database, right? Now in the companies that make their revenue from recruiting, like staffing, recruitment process outsourcing, things like that, they inherently are predisposed to understand that value. But I guess the question is, do you think that that value of the Canada database is equal across all businesses, or do you think it's a higher value in recruiting-related businesses like staffing?
0: Well, so I'd actually, I would say that it's probably higher in businesses that aren't staffing. So. Staffing, as we all know, makes their money from a single placement, uh, or if it's direct, of course, and then, uh, or you know, over the time that that person works there. But they 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 only add that to that staffing company. They really are, you know, directly only adding the margin of difference that that they pay the person and that the company pays them. Whereas, uh, whenever we're talking about corporations that are hiring people, someone could come in and completely revolutionize your business. So I think. The value of a hire, or the value of kind of human capital in corporate HR, is is actually much higher than in staffing because it really has the ability to transform. And of course, every hire won't do that. um, But even if they even if they don't, you you know, the hope is that your employees are are generating kind of more value than than their pay itself. um, And you know, comparing that to staffing, you know, hopefully they're generating 20% more value, right, than than they're than they're being paid. So. So, yeah, I think getting that right, the correct talent, and you know, I think by nurturing and engaging with people who are already interested in your company, because these people, again, they've shown interest and they stayed interested in your company, not just interested for a day, but you continued to, to nurse them and you, and, and you kind of created a kind of a follower and, and kind of a following of your company. Um, so even more so, the type of people that continue to engage with you uh, throughout this kind of nurturing process, are the ones that hopefully are kind of have a better chance of being that transform transformational employee
1: now, I like that the better chance of being the transformational employee and, and i 'm actually I was curious because I thought you would actually say that, oh, in the business of recruiting they might value it higher, but you make a good point about the impact being only to the margin, not necessarily the lifeblood of of the of the company right so I guess that kind of leads me into my next thought here is that. You know, when I when I speak with those that are in the recruiting profession, well, let me, let me position the question this way. Many people know that Salesforce is usually the top 10% to 20% of the sales force is delivering 80% of the revenue, and I think that's also true in recruiting as well. The best 20 to 10% of recruiters in an organization are delivering the best talent. So I I would suspect that part of that, if you assume that these things are true, is because those recruiters are making it a priority to connect themselves with the the individuals that make up the communities of talent where they do their you know not to steal your your phrase here, but where they do their fishing for talent. Is that do you think do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know I think and um, that that's I mean I don't even know that I need to repeat it. But I think that's definitely right. The the ones that really are working with and building a pool of talent that they can very readily reach into and access to hire are the ones that are the most successful. Uh, I think that, you know, early in someone's career, it's activity that dictates. Uh, a recruiter or, or uh, someone that, that is recruiting, that's what dictates their success is how many calls they're making. But as they start to grow and become kind of more talented but also start to build that network, it's really the network that makes them so powerful.
1: So I think that's right, for sure. So that's, yeah, no, I, I never really thought about it that way because I do know the activity is frequently measured. And there's something to be said for that because it's a tangible metric that could obviously be compared against, you know, history. Um, but but then let's kind of move over into, you know, the the engagement side of the equation where our workforce is concerned. Do, you, do your customers see this mining of their own candidate database as a way to improve the level of engagement that they have with their employees both today, but more importantly, you know, as they progress?
0: Yeah, I think so. So I think, um, again, kind of separating out the, the staffing and how that works there versus corporations. Uh, I think with staffing, certainly the people that are out on assignment, that helps them to kind of continue maybe with a different client, maybe in a different role with the same client. Um, you know, because they're out working, and at some point that contract is going to end by just keeping regularly engaged, which, again, hopefully a recruiter is doing that, but in the times that they aren't or their recruiter has changed roles or, or changed focus, uh, you know, again, just automating that process can ensure that it does happen. Um, and then on the corporate side, absolutely. I mean, you know, especially uh, corporations that are growing uh, and regularly have opportunities for internal mobility – I think again, just a, another way for these employees to stay engaged uh, is always going to help to to make sure that everyone has all the kind of the right information at the right times. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know what? That's that's uh, let's let's go back to the staffing for a second, right? Because again, my uh, experience in that in that world is that you know the revenue obviously matters, right? And the margin matters, and there has to be an efficiency, there has to be a speed, and and there has to be uh, an operational. Uh, approach to to how they're doing it. So I guess, however, I I see, especially staffing companies in unique industries, you know, like, for instance, in, like, the video game industry or in highly creative industries, uh, like visual design or or film or something like that, I see staffing agencies be much more... um, Concerned about how the members of that community are treated, how they're, you know, how how accessible they have uh, themselves to new opportunities, helping them. I don't necessarily see that in some of the other areas, but it it seems to be a way for staffing companies to differentiate themselves. In other words, the way that I treat the town community differentiates me. Therefore, if you're a consumer of my services, you're a company looking for that talent, you can inherently understand that I'm going to have better quality talent. I mean, there's a lot of dots to connect, but I see it happening in some industries. Do you think that, is that part of the value proposition here? Is that a reality? It is.
0: So, you know, I, I um, you yeah, know, we hadn't to, to necessarily lead with that, but no question if, if you are,
1: I mean, so so the
0: outcome is that you have, that you have better talent and you can hire these people more quickly, so to help put something tangible around that when a staff a salesperson or a staffing agency is talking with a buyer, absolutely they would use the example to say, "Well, you know everybody's going to tell you they can get the best talent most quickly. Someone that's taking advantage of their of their talent community can say, and here's how we can do that, so they can actually give them something to point to and say yeah you, we may look we may look similar." But here's something that we do that's unique and different, and this is why we're able to access this type of talent more quickly uh, or better talent than maybe our competitors might be able to
1: no, I like that. I like that idea of of saying, listen, here's our operational differences that we care and we do mind our our database now that's that's a pretty good consideration there so you know looking at the space in general, you know I would say I don't know for a fact, but I think that the Traditional job boards, uh, you know, over the course of the 2000s became so uh, fragmented with specialties. Uh, now they're facing uh, decreasing job board spend and things like that. You have new players popping up as well. Is this category because I, I you know, candidly, I know when we, you and I first spoke, there's a, a couple of competitors in the space, but it doesn't seem as though it's a, a broadly understood area. Is listen, I have this database, there's value, I want to mine the value of that database. Do you think this is kind of a, a beginning of, of a, a new trend in, in getting that value out of where I've already invested my money?
0: I truly do. I, you know, to all the points that you mentioned, uh, you know, people, are, candidates are becoming a little bit more difficult to find because they're specializing on the different boards, the, the market is fragmenting, all the things you mentioned. Uh, and, and then even again, to kind of go back to the earlier point about how essentially what's happening is here, we're 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 borrowing some concepts from uh, larger software and industry trends this this concept of content marketing or marketing automation kind of started with e-commerce then it went to software now it's kind of crossing the chasm and it's getting it, its past the early adopter phase and it's starting to turn into vertically specific software solutions um, so absolutely i think that not only uh, – and I think that this particular vertical has a unique opportunity to really take advantage of a of a very large asset in their applicant tracking system database uh, and, and, again, really leverage it uh, even as much or more so than any other kind of sales-driven industry where you're selling a, a widget to a buyer. Uh, I think just kind of really connecting with those candidates and giving them, really relevant important information uh, there's just there's just so much value there that you know it's kind of got to become a trend because people are just more and more expecting to hear from companies in that way
1: no I, I I would be surprised you know I'd be surprised if you weren't right about that I think that's uh, you know I read more and more about using content to connect with uh, with uh, talent and getting them embedded into your hiring process so Listen, Jason. Let me uh, round it out with uh, just you know one more question. And, and uh, you know I, I was thinking about it as you were talking earlier about the value to recruiting-related businesses like staffing and recruitment process outsourcing versus um, companies that aren't in the business of placing people. You know, if you had to, if you had two leaders, one in the professional recruiting world, say a staffing firm, and one uh, you know mid-sized company that hires say hundred some people a year. You know, they both have Canada databases, right? What is the, but yet they might be hesitant to invest this sort of time. Because look, if you, the the truth of the matter is, and I know you guys actually will outsource some of the content development, and I would imagine you're doing that because people are hesitant to make that investment. Because if you are using content to attract and, and nurture talent connections, well, it takes time and somebody has to do it. And I know they're hesitant to make that investment. So, you know again, I know you guys will outsource that if, if the client wants, but let's assume they're on the fence and they don't know if they want to make that investment in the content development to make this process work you know what would you tell a leader on the staffing side of the equation and then what would you tell a leader on, on, a, on a regular recruiting uh, infrastructure sure so
0: yeah and um, and I probably should clarify the other point I mean you know I think that uh, as far as the, the return for staffing, the nice thing about staffing is very black-and-white, value-based decision. Uh, it, it, and we, we take we take a lot of uh, care to make sure that we can give people the right metrics so they can make that decision. We, we hold back a certain group. And I won't go into a whole lot of detail there. But, but the point is that there's very easy ways to say, okay, the X dollars a month that I'm spending with this company will generate Y dollars in hires. Should I spend it? Is this ROI percentage greater than my other spend? Um and if so, I should continue or look for other alternatives so that's one benefit is that it it is a very black and white return, whereas with the corporations uh you know they each corporation will value their human capital differently, so they they value their internal employees um uh, depending on what role it is, and so forth so again just uh, so that but that does go back to the point about, you know, how how do we understand if it's the right investment to make? And, and really, the, the kind of message that we have is just that they're already making a very, very large investment in getting people into the database. Um, and uh, kind of relationally speaking, the investment, the, the dollars and cents investment in something like Earfish or other systems is relatively small compared to that investment that they're making. So really, it's about... Leveraging their other investments and kind of putting a rocket ship on, on all the other things that they're doing and just really kind of getting the most out of that. Um and, and again, because of the feedback we've already seen, um, you know, we have really clear numbers to show that it, that it is going to give you, give you that return on your investment. Uh, and, and then the other thing that we hear a lot from people is just they don't like to be the type of company that you apply to and it's a black hole, uh, and that you don't hear from again. So there's, there's kind of the you know the marketing word is branding um uh, to an extent uh, and kind of making sure that you don't get kind of negative brand recognition for that um but there's also just kind of sometimes you know there's there's kind of this emotional connection, and again, we try very much to tell people the expectations uh and and kind of the black and white return that they'll get, but there's also just that people want to con- connect they want to communicate with their talent more. And they just kind of inherently see that there's value in connecting and not just trying to sell people on jobs and, and trying to give them value and uh, positioning them, their company a little bit differently in the minds of, than that of their competitors. So I know I kind of went around to about you feel like that answers the question?
1: No, it does. I, I, I particularly like how you kind of brought it back home to the employment brand, right, because I think it sounds to me like, you know, it – it impacts the way that would be and, and current and even uh, alumni of the company consider that employer as an employer. Yeah,
0: and that and that's right. And so, kind of what, what we think of how this relates to employment branding is, you know, employment branding is something that really the, the company is going to own that, um, and, and, and and as they should. And either they're going to own it, or the employees will own it. So, so hopefully, a company takes steps um, to own their own brands. Um, and then this is just another method of distributing that employment brand uh, you know via the, the kind of the, the candidate nurturing. this gives you more touch points to to explain to people and spread what your employment brand is um and and then, as far as just, uh, again kind of one of the earlier questions was about investing the time in building out the the infrastructure and the content and and again to your point, that's why um, you know a lot of these marketing automation systems kind of the average is almost a 50% churn rate in customers, which is it's pretty amazing that half of the customers that sign in a given year, the following year, won't be with those companies anymore. And it's not because they don't do the software well. It's because this is – it's although it's kind of fairly simple in concept, it's, it's difficult to execute and execute well, which is why – and that's why we try to help people – not only create the content or help them to pick out the content that maybe they already have, uh, but also just really execute the program because that's where it's easy to fall down is just to kind of get, get caught up in the complexity of the software systems or just building out this grand strategy. Um, So just kind of by not having those burdens kind of, that just gives you a more higher likelihood for success.
1: No, absolutely. And I think I'm going to, I'm going to, And on that note, because I think it really reinforces, and I know, look, you're you're a first time guest here and and we talk a lot about these things. And what I like about this discussion is it takes some of the higher lofty goals of what we want our workforce to be and how we want it to impact our growth. Uh, And again, in the business of recruiting, how it impacts our, our revenue down to a, um, it takes the strategic and it helps me boil it down to a tactical reality. So I like that. So listen, we've been speaking with uh, Jason Heilman. Jason, again, is the co-founder of Herefish. You could find them at herefish.com. And I'm really glad that, you know, I made Jason's acquaintance and that he was able to come on the show today because I'm, uh, I like what they're doing. I, I like the approach they take. I think it matches really well with what we talk about here, and and the business of recruiting as it impacts a business's growth. So, Jason, you know, best of luck to you guys. I hope it really works out. And and above all, thank you for joining me on the show today.
0: My pleasure. Thank you. It's been a it's been a fun conversation. I've enjoyed getting to know you. And uh, thank you very much for your time.